This episode was uploaded Saturday, January 28th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 20 of the 5x5 Room RPG Podcast. Jeremy is the kind of individual that finds himself wearing a lot of hats and playing a lot of roles. In addition to being a content creator with me, he's a cosplayer, a dungeon master, and something of a JRPG connoisseur. But my favorite role of his is that of my friend. Today, we have a chat with Jeremy about his tabletop origins, share some positive and negative tabletop experiences, and learn even more about his other interests and hobbies. The running time for this episode is 29 minutes. Welcome to the 5x5 Room. I'm Hollis. And I'm Jeremy. And today we're here for the second part of our interview series where I will have the luxury, the privilege of interviewing my dear friend, Jeremy Barkley. It feels very weird to be second in the intro. You know, I got to be honest, me being first in the intro kind of feels a bit odd and off-putting. I don't know how you do this week after week. Yeah, it's it's just strange being on the other side of the of the of the aisle yeah i'm not gonna lie i'm a little nervous about it it's mostly because i want to make sure that you've got uh some good questions to ask i know our listeners have given some feedback that they really actually enjoy learning about us and about like our dming style and the things that we enjoy doing within game so maybe we get a chance to hear more about your individual interests right here let's do it then jeremy you asked me a series of questions some time ago and of course that was then later put into the episode that we released on last week so i'm gonna just try to ask you some of those same questions so i'm gonna start off with a softball one you ready you ready i'm ready okay how did you even begin in the first place playing tabletop rpgs two-part answer uh i was role-playing back in the early internet chat room days i was a part of like role-playing chats where you were a character that would play a role and even back then, I always kept thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could, like, gamify this? And I was using, like, dice rollers built into, like, the chat system so that we could, like, have a percentage chance of things happening or failing. And it was just a light RPG at the time, and I didn't know it. But in middle school, I played Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition for the first time. Uh, a friend at the time, whose name was Chris, was my dungeon master. And we would play during school, during gym. Uh, actually, we uh, during the summers, they would play baseball, and when we didn't want to play, we could instead walk around the track. And so while we walked around the track, our dungeon master would hold what? a binder. No way. And we would play while walking around the track, and we would roll dice on his binder. So hold on. Okay, so just to go back a, back a bit and recap, yeah. you're telling me that when you, when you were really young, right, back in the ASL days yes. on AOL, you would make like random dice rollers that would let you kind of like have these role play like scenarios that, to gamify it. Yes. And then when you were in middle school, you were <laughs> during PE walking around the track to play a tabletop RPG? Yes. All right, I'm, everyone's calling you the largest nerd possible right now. <laughs> I know, right? I, it, You know, that was during the summers. In the winters, we would go up on the stage and we would play Foursquare. And by that, I mean we sat down with a Foursquare ball and we played Magic the Gathering. That's, wow, really? That you, So you are into card games as well? Yeah, because even before that, I was playing Pokemon TCG. So it's like Magic was just like, you know, the next step after that. The more I think about it, as long as I've known you, you have really always been into like these RPG systems and card games and things like that. So this, all of this adds up to be the exact person who you ended up becoming. Yeah, like when I met you, I learned that you played D&D &D and I immediately was like, 
hey Hollis, do you want to run a game for me? I, it was the, it was actually one of the most exciting moments of my life because that was before, of course, the the ridiculous amount of fame that D and D has right now, right? Yeah. But that's amazing. So you knew that I had the same interest, and you were like, okay, I've got to be able to play. I had so few people that I knew that played in any regard whatsoever. Actually, I want I was trying to worm my way into the game that you were already playing. But there were also other people that were in that game that I think didn't like me. So, <laughs> so like months later, I was like, hey, Hollis, what if you run something? And just like that, I mean, you know, a bond was formed. A friendship was made. Yeah. In the time that you've been a tabletop RPG player, of course, you have to step into many roles, right? You have to, of course, adapt to being a player. But another part of it is also running the game. Which side are you more on or do you prefer? I am an even split. And it's weird because I know that most people fall pretty like handily one or the other. I I really love running games, but after like months of just running games all the time and not being able to play, I'm always just like itching to get back in the player seat and be a player again. And then on the same regard, if I'm playing a lot and I just haven't run something in a while, I am just always wanting to run something. So I I end up finding myself just jumping back and forth between the two as often as I can. And since that's the case, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you a question on both sides then. Okay. So on the player side, is there a sort of style or theme of a campaign that you think that you prefer more than the others? That is a tough choice. I think I'm okay at improv, but I, I do kind of like when things kind of start to go off the rails and, and the reins get let go of, and we just see where the game takes us. So in terms of like, by theme, do you mean setting or something like that yeah so for example maybe uh eberron or the curse of straw ravenloft no proper noun that really stands out to me but i i do tend to like a little bit of technology in my magic and a little bit of magic in my technology if you can like you know mix those two things together i, I tend to prefer that so maybe things like Shadowrun. Shadowrun's definitely really cool and definitely enjoy that. But even like around, you know, Eberron or just, you know, give me a setting where we're still kind of old and old fashioned. We're, we're swinging swords at people and shooting bows and arrows. But also maybe we got like an electric train or something. Who cares? And what about on the Game Master side? Is there a setting or a theme that you tend to like lean towards as a Game Master? In fact, to add to that, what kinds of players do you want in your games as a Game Master? Uh, I want players that are attentive and care about what's happening. And that's that's really about it. As long as I don't feel like I have to repeat myself, then I'm happy. And as long as my players seem like they're having a good time, that's that's about all I need out of a player. In terms of game settings that I like to run, I really do kind of jump around a lot. Just uh, a month or two ago, I was running Legend of the Five Rings in what is like fantasy japan china korea and then we rolled right into this sort of jrpg setting that is way more lighthearted and a lot more just sort of almost wacky in ways and kind of going from like the really serious rokugan to like the the really silly fabio ultimate game that i'm running it's fun i like kind of seeing all all the ends of the spectrum i know that you have a lot of experience with a lot of systems as a result of trying different things. Right now, if I were to look at maybe how many games a week you're playing of a tabletop RPG, what are we looking at? The optimistic answer, if every game that I am supposedly running were to meet in the same week, we would have three in a week. But more than likely, it's probably only going to be one. I've got like a, a Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition game that I run 
on weekends when people are free, but people are very rarely free on weekends, so it doesn't come up too often. I was running also a Fabula Ultimate game with some other friends, but one of the players wanted to try running something, and so we kind of swapped off for a bit. And uh, I am currently running a different Fabula Ultimate game, which was previously Legend of the Five Rings. And so I was at one point in time running three different games in three different systems. And there were times when all three games did happen in the same week. When you have a wild schedule like that, does that make prep difficult? And this will lead into another question, one of which you asked me last week. But how does prep work for your week when you have that that many campaigns to plan for? I was actually talking to a friend about this just the other day that most of my prep work is done in my head leading up to the game. So I tend to just think a lot about, okay, like where are we at in the story? What are the things the players want to accomplish? Where are they probably going to go? What are some things that might need to happen in the next session? And I just kind of spend a lot of time thinking about that. But usually about an hour or two prior to game is where I'm going to do most of my actual prep work where I'm either creating monsters or dungeons or items or whatever needs to be made. Given the amount of planning and attention to detail that all takes, do you have any tips for a dungeon master right now as far as tools that you use to help keep the game structured, organized, and running on time every week? Uh, no, I don't actually. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not very good at this. I mostly just kind of spitball things into like a Google Docs document and it just sort of builds up over time. I try to prepare a handful of NPCs, even if the player characters aren't in a situation where they might run into them. And I always try to like, it, I think it's really important to me that the world feels alive. And so wherever you are, there needs to be sort of colorful characters that you can run into. It's almost as if you set me up for my next question. Jeremy, of course, a lot of people lean heavily on the three pillars that make a tabletop RPG what it is. So that's combat, exploration, and then, of course, the social role-playing aspect of the game. To you, what pillars are the most important, and which ones do you think you excel at better than others? I think that our next episode, or at the very least one in the near future, is going to be taking down the pillars, because I, I want them crashing to the ground. I like it. But if I were to try to divide up my brain into the pillars and try to think of things as in terms of narrative, combat, and world building. Narrative is definitely where I put the most focus. I'm always trying to tell some kind of story, and I'm always trying to make sure that it can be told by, like I said, interesting NPCs. I want the players to be able to talk to people that they want to continue talking to. I want them to have villains that they hate, and I want them to have antagonists that, that really get on their nerves all at the same time. I think that combat is probably my next area of focus, mostly because I realize it's something that it, it is fun to roll dice. And that's where we do most of our dice rolling is in combat. And so I want to try to at least spice up the combats, keep them interesting, do things to make them fun while also making them challenging. Maybe sometimes I go overboard. I know that my group that I just ran a game for this week when I told them that I was going to turn up the challenge because I felt like they hadn't been challenged yet. And they were like, well, I beg to differ. I feel like you've been challenging us. But, you know, sometimes I don't feel that way. And so I just keep turning up the heat a little bit and we see what comes out. And world building is something that I feel like I probably should spend a lot more time on. But I usually use it to inform myself rather than inform the players. Like I'll spend a lot of time if there's a setting that's very important to me. Aether was one that I ran a few years back, and I spent a lot of time 
crafting out, okay, like here are the countries, here are the major powers in the world, and here are the conflicts in the world. And I tried to really understand a lot of the depth of this setting so that if the players had a question, I would always be able to answer it. But it usually wasn't something that I was going to put in their face unless they went asking for it. Something that Dungeon Masters learn over time is just over-prepping is a huge flaw that you can make in designing your game. When you over-prep, you don't know what the players will find interesting, what they won't find interesting, and you could end up doing so much that you don't need to um, that can honestly just stay wrapped in the box that it came in until it's really time to flesh it out. You know, it's not something you have to have up front. I like that philosophy. I think maybe an idea for us is maybe we should discuss each pillar and then tear it down. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah, I think that would also kind of show that, you know, how we view the game in those windows. And then from there, we could then get to completely deconstruct it and explain why we feel the way that we feel, or the very least why you feel the way that you feel. It's true. I definitely have different feelings than you do. But that's enough about a future episode. I wanted to piggyback off your answers, actually. So we'll start with what you said about characters. You mentioned villains that the players will remember or amazing NPCs the players will remember. From you, I want to know what your most memorable villain, NPC, or playable character has been in your gaming history. I'll I'll see if I can do both. Villain, the only one, I I don't know that I'm great at it, but I definitely had one. And it was uh, sort of like a stock villain that I just sort of took from the books and played around with. But there was... Atropus, who was, I guess he was some kind of god of death or something, or he was a star god. He was like from the astral realm or something. It was D and D, but it was like a custom setting. And I had Atropus. He would had taken over this town, and he effectively tricked the the party into doing something bad, and they kind of got tricked by him, and they acknowledged that it was their own fault, and they felt horrible about it and they just completely blamed themselves and they they talked to me about that villain and what had happened in that setting for a long time and so i think that that was a a good villain feels good right it's like feedback that the players really you know had something you created affect them yeah but let me think of uh maybe one that they don't hate so much Uh, (laughs) oh in aether we had i had like a, a race of like dog people there was one whose name was Militus. And they actually start fighting him. He's sort of like in a berserk mode and he can't control himself. Uh, He was just going to be like a boss to kill, but they like go out of their way to try to like not kill him and keep him alive and like kind of bring him back to his senses. And in doing so, he just kind of ends up traveling with them. And he actually stayed with the party through like the remainder of the the campaign. And they, they loved him. And they, there was never a time where like, even when the party hated each other, which happened a few times, they all still liked Militus. So it was weird because they could have easily just hated him for like trying to kill them early on. Those sound like amazing memories that you've had a chance to make with your friends and other, other people you've had play at the game. But I'm going to take a quick detour to the negative. Okay. Because I feel as though uh, there's a lot to be learned from looking at also our negative experiences. So with that, I ask you, what is your most negative experience at a tabletop RPG? Anyone who's heard me talk about it, this isn't a surprise, but we had played a uh, a game at a local comic shop back when they were doing D&D 4th edition encounters where you would kind of meet up and they would run you through like a short span of, oh, here's a few fights. And I had went there originally because I, once again, was really hoping to be a player and I had been running a lot of games. 
And then I got there and they said, hey, we don't actually have anyone to run you guys. And there were other people there, too, that didn't come with us that also didn't have anyone to run a game for them. And they were like, sorry, you're out of luck. And so I just volunteered to run and I ended up running a game there. But then the next week we went back again and I was like, I'm not going to run a game this time. I'm going to be a player. So some guy who had never DM'd a game before. So I'll try to be a little gentle because he had never run a game before, but he had played. He felt confident enough to run. He ran a game where he quite literally went out of his way as often as possible to murder all of the player characters. Like this was, this was a scripted battle and he still would do things where he was, he was playing against us and it felt bad. Yeah. It's a really weird lesson because most of the time, I don't think as a, your first foray into dungeon mastering, I don't think that's something you inherently want to do. I think that if you had a really great DM before, you know that it's more about the collaborative effort between the players and the DM. But uh, obviously, maybe if you're a little younger, maybe if that's not the exposure, the first exposure you've had, you may not know that. Yeah, it was a rough time. And uh, I think that all of us had a terrible time. And after the game, he was like, wow, that was great. I had a good time. And we're like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> us too. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, maybe now they're a phenomenal DM. You know, uh, you know we can only hope. I bet. I bet they've been listening to a certain podcast, you know, and as a result, they skyrocketed. Prob- they probably have. I know we've been on the Dungeon Master side and discussion a lot in the past few minutes, but I'm actually going to pivot to another question still in that realm, if that's okay. Okay. So you would ask me if I had had any inspirations for games I enjoy playing or, or things that I create for my players, for me at the table. What about you? What inspirations do you take from to help enrich your story, create things? I am very bad in that it is mostly video games, but it's usually old video games that no one else has ever played other than me, so I don't have to worry about people noticing all the little things that I took. But as far as like more recent games, I think we even kind of danced around not saying the Trail series during your interview, <laughs> but the Trail series is a big, obvious one for me. Uh, but even beyond that, older like Final Fantasy games and Grantia and Suikoden, there's tons of games that like I just pick things from all the time. Sometimes I just grab whole NPCs that are just a character from a game that I thought was really fun and I think would fit in a perfect place, and I just drop them in. Sometimes I change the name, sometimes I don't bother, and usually no one notices. As always, stealing good ideas is encouraged. Oh, yes. I think more DMs should steal uh, or borrow or whatever you want to call it. I think more people... It's stealing. Yeah. I, I, you find a great idea. You should absolutely apply that idea to your table at home. You can't police thoughts at your D&D table. <laughs> right. It's fine. Who cares? As long as everyone's having a good time. What would your perfect system look like? Oh, that's a tough question. I think that it would have a pretty even balance of narrative elements and like actual like combat and crunchy bits. I don't know. There's a lot of good wording for how I talk about these things, but I I like mechanics. So part of the games that I enjoy is I like building characters and I like how certain things affect other things in the game. Like I like watching the chain reaction of sort of, oh, this ability kind of works with this ability and now I can make this interesting little combo and creating both monsters and characters that can sort of play off of these ideas whether it's in a combat or even a narrative sense i just like anything that has mechanics so i think that's probably one of the most important things to me i care a little less about role play when it comes to a system because i guess i've just never had trouble with it i maybe i'm gifted in that way and i'll 
I'll pat myself on the back. And if so, most of my friends are the same because we all grew up on fourth edition. That was the game we played the most back in like the like 2010s. And I have no idea how people say that that game is bad for role play because it worked just fine for us. You are correct. Our games were actually full of role playing elements and actual, I mean, damn near acting playing that edition. Yeah. And at the same time, when it came time for combat, we still got to do the fun stuff like, oh, where I am positioned is very important and the type of abilities that I use and the action economy. It still has the things that I really like, the mechanics. And I don't think I need a lot of rules for how to tell a story because I can tell it on my own. I can tell it on my own. The autobiography of Jeremy Barkley. Hey, that's a good title. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it too. Jeremy. Week after week, we get together and we talk about something related to gaming. Sometimes it's tabletop, sometimes it's video games, sometimes it's both. To you, what's the hardest part about making the content? I know that it seems like we just kind of get together and discuss something that, that moves us or is passionate. But to you, what's, what's a challenge you think with creating content for your hobby? If anything, my biggest struggle is that I am a creature of fancy. And as a result... When I see something new or I have that new idea, it gets very difficult for me to not just completely throw away everything that I'm currently doing because I just always want to chase it down. And sometimes I'll be in the middle of running a game and my players are, are loving it and we're having a great time, but I suddenly get this itch. Oh, I, I would really love to do so-and-so right now. And I've just got this new idea that I want to do. And suddenly I start changing resources over to to this new idea that I want to do and I end up like losing games partway through. I have commitment issues, I think. It's always fun to try new things, you know? You learn a new system where you introduce something new to your party. You want that to kind of permeate through the other friend groups so they can kind of get in on this thing. But once this happens a few times, okay, now I'm learning the thing, the new thing, but I'm only learning the new thing that you had just learned two weeks ago. <laughs> I got friends that are just like, look, I'll play a game with you if it's this game or this game because I know the rules. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I want to try this new game. <laughs> There's some advantages for trying all those new systems, though. You learn a lot about what the system that you might prefer is doing right or wrong, or at the very least, get great ideas from seeing the differences in those systems. Oh, and I love to just like take things from systems that I like, especially if there's just some things that I like. Oh, no? yeah. I'll just plug them into other systems. I think I think that's correct. Example, maybe someone is doing the inspiration mechanic better than Dungeons and Dragons. Everyone does. is. Well, I'm just just wanted to throw that one out there. But um, yeah, if that's the case, why not pull that from another system that you think has a better implementation and try it out for your game? See if it works. Yeah, I mean, we are always a big fan of Savage Worlds has card draw initiative and we love doing it. And so I end up just plugging it into nearly every game that I play. Players love little knickknacks, right? Oh, yeah. So what's cooler than having a deck of cards that you shuffle and that's kind of how, you know, effectively has the same randomness you would expect from your die roll. Right. That's another interesting way to handle attack. And Yeah, you have cards. I love them. Absolutely do. We've talked a bit about your D&D &D and tabletop history. So what about things outside of that, Jeremy? Some things that you're passionate about outside of content creation for tabletop systems. Oh, you're asking me about me, about things that I like to do that are not tabletop role-playing games? Oh, man. I can see the sweat dripping from your brow right yeah. now. Did we not go over at the beginning that I'm a huge nerd? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, obviously, I play video games. That's something that I devote a decent amount of time to. 
things that I have in the past devoted time to that I have not given proper attention to for, you know, one reason or another. Uh, I do like sewing and uh, I've sewn cosplays before and that's always fun to do. And uh, I also, uh, I, I tend to enjoy a good jog. It's actually where I think a lot about my games too. For those of you who don't think this is real, yes, Jeremy is physically active. He's out running. Not when it's that cold, but yeah, I don't like it when it's cold. <laughs> but no, he he exercises. I'm steeped into it occasionally um, when it's convenient, when it's not 30 degrees outside. It's true. But I mean, it's a good time to think about your game, especially like something monotonous like running where, you know, it doesn't take a lot of thought to just put one foot in front of the other. It's a great time to just let your mind wander. I used to think about villains. That, that actually was a common thing for a while. I would start running and I would think about the villains and like their attachment to the, the players based on what they've written and just kind of run through scenarios that I thought would be neat or interesting. Uh, yeah. And also I would listen to like dark ambience, like on YouTube. Oh, yeah. While running, oh my God. It's the, ner- yeah, probably the nerdiest thing I think I've done <laughs> while trying to stay active. Who cares? You're doing the best of both. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. You mentioned video games. So what's your favorite game series? Oh, it's Suikoden. Ooh, why is that? It's amazing. Everything about it's amazing. It's So what uh, is it? Suikoden 2 is the the flagship game, but it is a story. It's the Tale of the Water Margin, which is an old, one of the four Chinese ancient literature tales from a long time ago, but retold as like a fantasy JRPG. It was the first game I ever played that was like a JRPG that really zoomed in like you would play final fantasy and you'd get on an airship and you'd go like fly up and kill god but in suikoden that never happened you were in a country and the country was steeped in war and people died and it was pretty awful and you kind of had to witness the good and bad of things and it would be lighthearted at times and it would be heavy at times and there was always a large cast of colorful characters and it had mechanics that i enjoyed and it just really because of it Zooming in, I've already mentioned trails before, but that's one of the things I like about trails also is I like that, hey, we don't need to globe trot. We can kind of lean in and we can just see this one country and maybe see how this country sort of like interacts and the things about it and the problems with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that granularity adds to the world building. Yeah. Makes it feel real. Right. Especially more so than when your player characters are in a country and they want to go to another country and you're like, oh, yeah, you just go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're there. <laughs> Like, oh, I, it was like four months of travel, but we, we can't do that in game very easily. So we're just going to say that you're there. Jeremy, thank you for making yourself available and answering all my questions. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I know that it's not very easy to sit in front of the mic week after week and have to basically bounce ideas back and forth with me. I know that that can be a truly mentally draining and challenging exercise. But one thing I want to highlight about you and something you've talked about is that you, as long as I've known you, have been very true to enjoying the things that you enjoy. You've never really been shy or you know, worried about the perception of other people for the things that you're interested in, for the things that truly do give you joy. And I think that's commendable. I know that we talk a lot about things in the tabletop space. And for some people, that is a taboo subject. I know it has gained popularity, but still, for some people, that's something they feel like they, can, they can't share, right? So I'm happy that you are willing to discuss it on our podcast and share your upbringing and your experiences and like how that's actually helped. I can't tell you how much I love talking about myself. So (laughs) if you want to do another 10 episodes about me, I would be fine with it. I think we'll we'll stick with one for now. We'll do one and we'll roll that in. Okay. Just just one for now. We'll we'll talk about a future one. We'll we'll take feedback. You know, anyone want to hear more about me? (laughs) 
Jeremy, is there anything else you want to shout out before we sign off here? I want to shout out to, uh, I've got this friend whose name is Hollis that he wrote some nice questions that he could ask me. And I very much appreciate him doing that. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll make sure I get back in touch with him. Yeah. Let him know how you really feel yeah. uh, when he shows up to no longer do the intro. Yeah. Um, but no, Jeremy, this has really been a pleasure as always, man. I, I enjoy recording with you week after week. This has been one of the most enjoyable experiences over the past year. So thank you for being here with me. Yeah, let's it. keep doing it. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. To you guys, thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. And until next time. Have a good night.